Hi, and welcome to Elevate Potential. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a podcast that is designed to help you escape patterns, embrace passion, and elevate potential. My name is Elizabeth Perry, and as a lifelong student of psychology, personal development, and human potential, as well as a transpersonal life and leadership coach, I will be your guide as together we learn from others who are on this journey. Let's dive in. I would say to them, just do it. Whatever that's in your heart, it's in your mind, just do it. When I started entrepreneurship, I never thought I would even have this conversation with you. <laughs> There's no way that I would even picture that. Now being here, like meeting people like you, being in this program, but I had to start somewhere. The process or the start, it's totally so different from the end product. And I have this belief in my heart or this saying that use what you have so that you may get what you don't have. Hi, and welcome to Elevate Potential. Today, I am so excited to introduce to you Space Mabawam Guan. He is the founder and CEO of Izaza Eyewear, and he's a serial entrepreneur. I met him during a trip to South Africa. That is actually where we currently are. We are in Cape Town, South Africa right now. And I honestly can't say anything but amazing things about space, but I'm going to go ahead and let him tell you his story firsthand of grit and determination to get to where he is today. So welcome space. Wow. Thank you so much. What an amazing intro. Greetings to everyone. So as Elizabeth said, my name is space. I'm coming from a township called Philippi, mostly close to Nyanga. And so I think everyone knows it as a, a meta capital of South Africa and maybe around even the world. So that's why I'm coming from space is born in Ekukuleetu. Then I moved to Philippi. So a very young man that grew up in the township, then went to school. I went to primary called Nobantu. So I did that. Then I dropped out in high school. So I grew up mostly in church. All my life has been around church. So I think later on, maybe I would say when we speak up, we would speak more that this is one thing that has channeled my life. It's my relationship like with God. Yeah, I mean, that's something that is really evident just from when I first met you. Your energy is just contagious. You know, yeah. space walks into a room and everyone smiles. And <laughs> I think that's just like that energy that comes from having a really good grounding into your morals mm. and mm. into your beliefs. So I want to start with just asking you a little bit about what it was like for you growing up mm. and how you developed this mindset of a go-getter, honestly. Yeah. I grew up from a very disadvantaged family. I was staying with my mom, uh, sister, and my brother. I remember like I would go to school without any lunch, without any food. And I would still come back to home, like without food, without any lunch. So that's how I grew up. But the beautiful thing is that I would come from home, then wash my uniform. That's one thing you do. Wash my shirt uniform, then go back to church. Then later on, then come back home. So that was like my upbringing. Of course, I would still play soccer with other kids, but mostly my life has been like around church. So... I think for me, I would never say I knew that I was goal-driven or something, but I had no choice but to work. Mm -hmm. It's because I'm coming from a very disadvantaged family. 
And so it's a battle of survival. So I had to survive. I had to do something. And maybe on the other side is translated as in being a gold getter. But for me to leave, I had to do something. So what happened? Yeah, so that's what has driven me. It's hunger, literally being hungry and as well hunger for success because I had to, you know, like I had a choice, like it had to work, like I had to work. So that space and now I'm, I would say I'm grateful that I never had it like easy when I was growing up. That has channeled me into an entrepreneur and I'm using those survival skills even now, like in business. When we talk about being a serial entrepreneur, this is one of the things that you and I have talked about in terms of it's more of a mindset rather than like a knowledge base. Mm. And I would love to hear from you, you know, tell me about some of the first businesses that you started. I used to work for this international organization that was based in the U.S. They were doing amazing work that they were doing in here in South Africa, specifically in Cape Town. So I used to be a youth coordinator, but before being a youth coordinator, I used to volunteer for them. Then they took me in as a house parent, but now the school was closing. So when they were closing, they're like, man, you've been doing amazing work with the kids. So what happened, the organization, they had like a college, like a school and a close by place called French Hook. So they would take kids that were orphans from at a very young age, then help them in the school until like grade 12, until they go to university. Mm-hmm. So they've been doing that like with many kids repeatedly, but now they ran out of, out of funds. So they had to take the kids back to the communities. But the issue now is that kids that have been out of the community in this certain community that has been created, meaning that is a school. So for them to go back in the community that they were taken like from, it was going to be hard for them to settle in. So the organization is like, man, I think you are the best person for that. As we're taking back the kids to where they come from, just start an after-school program as they're going to be going into local school. So start the after-school program with them. So I stepped up an after-school program. It was amazing. It grew like to more than just the kids that we had because the school had about like 50 kids, but it grew to over like a thousand kids in the community because they need because there's not so much like after-school programs that are taking care of the youth. So it grew to more than just the kids we had. So we used to run camps for, for the kids. We'd offer like snack for them and we'd run like programs for them, offer like counseling for them because I've been trained you know, by the organization. So we would do that, help them with as well, homeworks and everything. So it was that. But now I felt I want to start my own organization, me and my friend. We felt like we want to start our own organization. We want to solve our own problems. And now instead of expecting a certain savior that comes and always save, mm-hmm. we want to as well impact in a way that I think we can solve our own problems. Mm-hmm. And whoever that's going to come, instead of you solving the problems for us, instead of maybe fishing for us, but teach us how to fish. There's a lot that has been invested in us that we've learned. But now more than expecting these people to come and help, but we felt like, no man, we've got the solutions. We can help, you know, and the kids and we can tell our own stories in our own way. So now we resigned from the organization uh, with passion and everything. And to realize like a month later, you're unemployed, still have responsibilities because I'm living with my mom and my business partner for the food business. Oh, I'm talking about the food business. So I'm living with my mom and he's living with his wife and two kids, but we had resigned. Now, boom, you realize, shucks, I still have to buy bread. I still need to give money, medication, you know, and 
those problems are still there, but we mm. never thought about those things. The passion of helping was there. And two months down the line, shucks, things were like going down. So what do we do? And as I said to you, I'm not educated, so it was going to be hard for me to even get another job somewhere else. Because around then, and I think on 2016, 54 to 60% of the youth was unemployed. And these guys that have degrees, diplomas, guys that have graduated, but they still can't get jobs. So for me, somebody who didn't graduate in school, there's no way I would get a job. So what do you do now? It goes back to surviving. We came up with an idea of selling muffins, but where are we going to get the capital? Lucky enough, we went and borrowed like 200 rands from my sister. I think it's about like $10. So we went, borrowed 200 rands. I baked muffins. We sold them in the street. Wake up in the morning, shout at taxi rang, gave muffins, muffins at train stations. We would go to the saloons, we would go to the mechanics, we would go to the schools and sell muffins. And it grew, but we were like, shucks. Mentally, we had to be strong because I was a youth coordinator. Then, boom, I'm selling in the street. And then it was never a cool thing to sell in the street. Mm. So we had to find a way that, man, how do we build a brand? And how do we get comfortable in this? And how do we extinguish ourselves from anyone that is doing And how do we still push hope to the kids and inspire them than them seeing a downfall? So we're like, shucks, how do we do this? Or it came in the idea, let's go borrow chef jackets. So we borrow chef jackets from the guys that dropped out in school doing their years in the hospital industry. So they had dropped out, but they still had chef uniform. So we borrowed them. Now we started being called chefs. So we were called chefs and selling on the street. So we called the company in the street, meaning Estratuin in Corsa, Estratuin. So that's how the company came. But later on, we introduced beef beggars because nobody was eating muffins around midday. You know, our people like meat. So we sold beef beggars and we we're the first people to sell uh, beef beggars on the street. A beef burger, it's like your beef patty mm -hmm. with your veggies, tomato, cucumber, lettuce, and right. a nice sauce. Yeah, so that's a burger. We sold those and trended so fast. People were like taking pictures of us. Now, hey, the chefs on the street, because chefs and they informed. So it became this cool thing and the stigma around it just moved. We were more comfortable. So it grew. Now with Facebook, people taking pictures of us. Hey, these chefs, these chefs. So everyone, now when they see us, I saw the chefs and they would buy from us. And that's how it started to grow. I think 2018, we were able to, or 2017, yeah. Month end, 27, on close to December, we bought ourselves a food truck. Bought ourselves our first food truck. The first food truck in the township because wow. you would only see food trucks in the CPT, like in town. So we're starting like now to sell in events. And would do would sell the food warm so and stuff. So it grew, it trended on Facebook as well. We are like now setting up the company, you know, the vision now. Want this to be, to be, excuse me. And it grew in a way that we had to hire about two guys. We had, I had two guys in the team. And, and I just want to pause here for a moment so that those who don't understand the difference between a township and the CBD. Yeah, the CBD is more like a town, like where everything you get the um, comfortability of everything. But with then the township, it's Black people being moved into, not a village, but in semi-village, far from where everything is happening. So mm -hmm. that's not the best definition of a township, but mm -hmm. it's along those lines. So that's where I'm coming from. Now we would copy whatever. The vision was like, we want to sell whatever it's sold, like in the CPT, like in town. We want to sell it in the township. And with that factor, we realized we'd be offering like convenience. 
mm. enough for the guys that are having their saloons in the township or taxi drivers or mm. guys that are owning saloons or the mechanics, they can't go buy food. So now we will bring food to them. So it was a necessity, it was a need, we were solving their problem. Mm. That's how it grew. So we had hired two guys and it grew to four guys. We bought our second food trailer. We bought the third one. On 2019, we launched a restaurant in a shipping container whereby people would sit on top. On the launch of the restaurant, we had about 1,000 people on the event, on the launch, and we had about 15 guys that were hired. And now the dream of starting an organization, we felt we're actually living it. Because the guys that we are hiring are the guys that have criminal records, are the guys that never finish school. So the guys that are more like us, that we know they can't get jobs. So Mm -hmm. these are the guys that we are hiring. And we had this thing, just totally like young men, we had this thing that we want to build better men. So, and with our background now of the organization, the expertise that we've learned, everything we've learned, we're transferring to these guys and it grew to a community. The parents would come to us like, what did you do to my son? Like, He's so changed, you know. Mm. So it became that. And the youth was really not getting so inspired. So we were becoming now more of role models. And everyone is getting inspired, like now in township, to stop their own things. Kids to sell on the street became the cool thing. But then it was a stigma. Mm. So we became those role models now, you know. And on Facebook, it's crazy. It's never been posted. But we had like 50,000 followers. Our rich group. Reach sometimes 4 million people, like the shares, like a crazy. So it became this Black Pride business because it was one of the first. So that's how Estratuini came about. But we're starting to receive like contracts now with big organizations, big corporate companies that would buy food from us, other food from us. The government would do business with us. But COVID came and that was like shattered. I don't know, I'm getting emotional. No, it's okay. Yeah, so everything we had worked so hard for was coming to an end, you know, in COVID. And the biggest issue was not just the finances, but the impact we knew we're doing in the 15 guys that we had. And we knew that if we're not going to be open now, they might go back to drugs. You know, that was the biggest fear for us. And sadly, some of them, it happened to them, but Mm -hmm. Sam still kept kept the values and, and everything. So that's pretty much of how, Estratuini is, but the new business was born called Isaz. I'm not sure if you want us to talk about that now. Yeah, definitely. Well, I also want to pause here. You talk about, you know, the impact that you were having on these guys that were working for you and just in passing. And I've been wanting to ask you this question for a while. And so I'm just going to ask it now. But in passing, you mentioned that you were reading this book called When Helping Hurts. Yep. And I can definitely relate to that, having had a lot of people who struggle with addiction in my life. And so I just wanted to hear from you, like kind of what drew you to that book and how that's been related to your journey as an entrepreneur. I hear your heart. I hear your heart and wanting to help everyone. And so just wanting to hear a little bit about your journey with that too. At some stage, you've been out. At some stage, what you love then becomes what you hate. You get hurt. People are never perfect. Mistakes happen. Sometimes the people that you are helping end up hurting you. And so the biggest thing I've experienced was like burning out, mm-hmm. you know, because I never had time for myself. As I said, it's surviving in a township. Mm-hmm. It's surviving. Every small thing counts. Every effort counts. So that is a thing. And I had to unlearn the thing of I'm not God. I'm not going to help everyone else. Mm-hmm. It was so hard for me to accept that, that I can't help everyone else because 
I feel like I want to help everyone else, you know, and it comes from not being helped. Sometimes the experiences that you never had, you just want to make sure the next person doesn't suffer. So I had to accept that, that I can't help everyone and I'm not God. And the second thing is, this is what's called codependency, feeling the need that I need to help people. Like I'm the one that's going to help and it bends you out. I had to accept that there are those issues, this mental health, uh, things that you never exposed to. Like we don't know these things. You only learn them on the way. But as I said earlier, the first time is I had a strong relationship with God as much as I'm not a very talking person with my problems and troubles, but I found that it's just something therapeutic about prayer because in the process I end up lamenting, I end up expressing myself to God and they're like, I don't even realize, oh, shucks, did I open up in that? So that has been helping me a lot and reading like a lot of books. I'm not sure I might have. Yeah, said, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I can relate a lot in the sense of codependency and yeah. having to kind of release other people to God and yeah. to also realize like the struggle I went through made me who I am and the struggles that they go through mm, will make them mm, who they are. Mm, mm, so that's, that's mm. really beautiful. And so I have to ask, how has all of this led to now where you're at with Izaza Eyewear? So, man, your Stratwin has been a beautiful, like, Jenny. We ended up getting a chance to do like an incubation program mm -hmm. with UCT, one of the best universities like in Africa. Wow. So we did an incubation program with them for, I think, three months with the first cohort, you know, they were piloting. It was called Social Enterprise. So whereby we learned about social that even though you are helping, but you can still make revenue out of mm -hmm. it, you know, and it's in that way, it's going to be sustainable, you know, so we got a chance of learning that. And with them, being exposed to their network, we had done a lot of catering for big universities. We've done catering like to, for Duke University. Actually, shout wow. out to the Duke University. We've done catering for Ohio State. We've done, we've met guys from Tennessee when they're coming to South Africa. We've met amazing people. But in the process, I've been learning about business, about brands and about everything. And when COVID came in, we had to close the business. And now I had to survive. What do I do? What do I sell? And they're very strict on, on food mm -hmm. regulations. So I loved sunglasses. I had always loved sunglasses because I'm a very shy person when I don't know people, but when I'm comfortable, I can really like be free. So sunglasses for me have been a way of closing that interaction that you can't see my eyes, you know, but I can still see you. So I had this personal space in my heart. So the idea of sunglasses, starting to sell sunglasses came about and I've seen just on the internet randomly, like the supplier that is selling these sunglasses. And I was so shocked. It was like, they're so beautiful. And the quality, it seems so nice. So I ended up ordering one pair. And I was not trusting because the online thing is, we're not so much aware or comfortable with an online thing, you know. So I had like, shucks, let me risk it. And I got the pair when it arrived. Like, so my mind started to go wild. I saw it as a brand now. I wonder if I get open my sunglass like brand. Because remember, now I've learned about business from Mr. Twain. Like I've learned a lot of things about business that is not just about selling the product. Mm -hmm. There is a customer experience. There's a lot of things. So customer segment, like a lot of things so I've learned. So it was easy for me to set up now the new business is as. Mm -hmm. So now 
I posted on social media that now I'll be doing like sunglasses, testing it out. Oh, by the way, we don't have any South African brand that I can think of that sells sunglasses. So I would say we are the first one. So our brand is called Isaza Eyewear. In Kosa, it means Izaza, it means sunglasses. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slang, actually, it's a township slang. So I used that and converted it into, into a brand. Then I posted on Facebook. On the first day, me trying it out, it went like on 6,000 shares. Wow. Like it trended, like it trended, it trended, it trended. Because I was introducing to the people, now this is what I'll be doing. This is a new venture that I'm starting. So I laid it down and I laid the vision like down. This is what the way I see so it was really like embraced by, by the people of South Africa. First week, we sold about 10 pairs. Second week, we sold about 20 pairs. I think by the end of the month, we had sold about 100 pairs. Wow. You know, and people like were like telling each other. So the word of mouth, like Santa season, the, the word itself, like it resonated to our people and they're super cool, the quality and the pricing and everything. So it was like trending. I had celebrities like buying. So I would like sheep, I would courier sunglasses, I would not sleep. Because it was like the demand was so, 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 so much. That's pretty much how Isaza like started. So we used to sell from the boot of the car. I think a year later, we launched our first shop in Long Street in CBD, a very known street like worldwide, like Long Street. There's a first black South African business in Long Street. Wow. And I've been, and it is an amazing store. (laughs) Also been rocking my Isaza sunglasses all week. (laughs) So it's a first, it's one of the first. So we launched the store. We launched our second store in Table Bay Mall. So the business has been like just growing. But for me, it was never about money. I would always, how do we add value? And my passion, as I said, it comes from the organization, whatever you do, like with social enterprise, whatever you do with helping people. So I figured out that sharks, man, when you hear the feedback from our customers, I feel confident. Like mm-hmm. when I'm wearing these sunglasses, I feel that. So I realized, shucks, it's not just the product that you are selling. We're not selling sunglasses, man. We are creating an experience. And I found that, again, this is still at the core of who I am. This is still at the core of what I want to be. So I think that's pretty much about the brand. One of the things you said to me was that I don't sell sunglasses. I sell confidence. Yeah, I'd love to hear from you a little bit about your journey to finding confidence and how you've seen Izaza inspire confidence in your customers. For me, growing up from a very tough background, there's a way that at some point that what you've been through, you feel like it's who you are. So I've always been intimidated coming from the most disadvantaged background. So even sometimes I would want to do certain things, but because of I come from this poor disadvantage, I kind of felt that it was me. There's nothing I can offer. I don't have a voice. But it's so crazy that when you wear sunglasses, even how people look at you, the attention that you receive is literally like crazy. And you have been comfortable in that attention because they don't see you. So confidence I've seen it for myself when I would get certain pair that do like, if I feel like a superstar, like today, I, I just feel like a superstar. Sunglasses are very way, man, that they just make you feel like certain feeling. And I've realized that, man, and with the testimonies I've seen from my customers that this is not just sunglasses that I'm selling. I would find couples that 
I don't know what to buy for my husband or wife, but ever since, this is the best gift I've ever bought for them. And you hear those shucks, does it go that long way when somebody graduates? Like, I've never bought them something, but I've bought them this pair. And now they get to feel, they get to celebrate with that pair. And they'll be like, shucks, I'm part of this amazing brand that is curating these experiences with these people, is making them feel this type of way. So it's not just creating this person that is wearing them, but the person that they are being bought for. You know, even the person that is buying for somebody, I feel good that I bought for my mom. So it becomes sort of this achievement. And so as I was saying to you, Elizabeth, that it's hard for me like, to express this because it's feelings and feelings are so hard to express. You know, our feelings are felt and now it's the barrier of English. So it's, it's hard, but I'm sure you might have felt a certain way that you when you were wearing our sunglasses oh yeah i mean when i first put them on i was like i need to like rise to the occasion of these (laughs) and i mean i remember getting comfortable in sunglasses too and it's an experience that i never really thought about until you made me think about it because there was a point in time where i didn't feel comfortable in sunglasses just as I don't really like dressing up for Halloween for the same reason. And there is a sense of confidence that comes with getting comfortable wearing sunglasses. Mm, and mm, what mm. I think is really inspiring about your brand is Izaza eyewear. When you put them on, they look like high-end designer yep. sunglasses, yep. yet they have Izaza. You know, they are so, like you said, Izaza is a township slang. Yeah. And so you're providing an avenue mm. for maybe kids like you who mm. maybe may not have felt comfortable in like a Prada or a Gucci, mm. but know that Izaza is made for them. Exactly. So we are representing our people that has never been represented before. Mm-hmm. We come in from a space that go to school, go find a job. But now you hear stories of Izaza like it's being started and he's a black person that is owning that mm-hmm. and he's from us. And this is not a mediocre brand. It's not a mediocre brand. It's a high-end brand. It is high-end, you know. We create that. And so our people wait with pride. Like, they weigh with, with, with pride because of the story behind the brand. Our sunglasses by themselves, they're cool themselves. Like they're just cool sunglasses. But now, them representing our people that have never been represented before, now having a voice. So it is really like this experience. And even just strategically, everything that you've done in terms of Izaza Eyewear, like all the way down to the fact that space has a signature scent that gets sprayed in each of the sunglass holders, which are unique in and of themselves. They fold flat and then you can open them up. But then when the sunglasses are out of them, it's folded flat, which I love because I can just put it in my purse. (laughs) It doesn't take up too much space. But you open it up and you immediately smell that signature scent. When you put the sunglasses on, you can smell that signature scent. And I'm actually sad because I wore my sunglasses out on the boat and I got sprayed with water and I can't smell the scent anymore. And I'm like, Space, you need to sell this scent. (laughs) But that's a brand. That's how you create a brand. And I just think it's so brilliant and honestly so inspiring as well because entrepreneurship, it's not a knowledge base. It is Mm. a mindset. It is who you are. And Mm -hmm. That is just really inspiring to me. So I would love to ask you if there's someone out there who maybe they never thought entrepreneurship was for them, 
maybe they have a similar story and they are not sure if they can go to college, let it alone if they want to, if that's a path for them. What would you say to that person out there? I would say to them, just do it. Whatever that's in your heart, it's in your mind, just do it. When I started entrepreneurship, I never thought I would even have this conversation with you. <laughs> There's no way that I would even picture that. Now being here, like meeting people like you, being in this program, but I had to start somewhere. The process or the start, it's totally so different from the end product. And I have this belief in my heart or this saying that use what you have so that you may get what you don't have, but you gotta use it. So I don't know, is it your phone? Is it your time that you have? But there is something that you have. There is something that you have that you can start where you are, like start where you are with what you have. The first business, we started it with 200 rands, selling muffins on the street, but the vision was owning a restaurant. It was a two-way picture, but it, as we were saying, it's a mindset thing. You gotta envision it, you gotta think it. And I so much believe that if you can think it, it's because if you can do it, because you can have it. And as a spiritual person, I believe that those ideas are God's given ideas. God never created chairs. He can't create chairs, but he created trees. It's us that has the ability to create chairs. It's us that have the ability to create tables, you know, but he would bless us with trees, but it's us that we can think, imagine what that tree could be. So there is that thing that you have, you just gotta imagine it, what it could be. I'm driven by those imaginations. I wonder what it could be. I believe in that so that I don't have to beat myself one day. I wonder what if it could have been if I had tried it. Because I've seen many people that are living in regret and in remorse, and I don't want that. So, man, wherever you are right now hearing this, my advice to you, just do it. And I doubt that you are hearing this voice now from Cape Town in South Africa, like in Africa, by coincidence. So if you're listening to it now, it's exactly for you. Just do it, man. Make sure as well in doing it, do something that aligns to you. Do something that you love doing, that is in your heart. At a very young age, I figured out that I love serving people. I'm doing what I love. For me, I don't even feel like it's working any day. That's why I ended up banning out at some stages because I was doing what I love. But I didn't realize that it's even bending me out. So my advice to you, just do it. Use what you have. Thank you. Yeah. Wow, Space, this has been an amazing conversation. And I'm just so grateful to have yeah. known you, to have been able to spend this time hearing yeah. your story more yeah. in depth because you've really impacted me. And yeah. I'm so excited to see Is As I Wear take mm. over. I know that you are going to be in the u.s yeah soon, I hope so. <laughs> and i just can't wait to share yeah. your brand with so yeah. many people across the world yeah. because this brand is yes made for those in the township but your story crosses all borders so thank you for spending time with me today well i think i want to say thank you to you man as i said to you i'm a very shy percentage of person it takes some certain few individuals to make me comfortable really really few people that they would get me like to even talk as much as i'm talking because i'm even trying to stop myself from talking but it's because of i'm comfortable and um hence i was even asking you the other day to do that psychology or art because <laughs> it's like you are so intentional and your questions that you impose 
it's because of your heart you can tell. And as African people, we feel things more than just hearing things. So we feel, feel. Um, every, I'm sure even different people, I'm not sure what to call it. Some may call it energy. They can call it spirit or whatever. But there are things that you feel like I'm comfortable. Thank you so much for making time for this interview, making time for this conversation. As much as you might think that you've been impacted by this, the story, but me telling the story inspires me to thank you so much. I truly, truly, truly humbled and honored to be part of the interview. As I said, that I don't know where this will go. This interview can even go on TV one day, could go to this big production company. So, but you are starting now. So I'm honored that with it at its starting level. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. As always, any books, links, or resources that were mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes for you to access. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Or feel free to send us a direct message on Instagram at Elevate Potential Podcast if you would like to be a guest on this show. Finally, please subscribe and download episodes in order to support the community that we are creating of people who are working to elevate their potential together. Until next time.